And now it's time to play America's newest game show. What is fake? That's an interesting beginning. Good morning, church. Good morning, all of you who are online. What is faith? If that game show actually asked that question, uh, here are some answers that we found uh, online as true answers. People really believe this is what faith is. First answer, believing in something when common sense tells you not to. No way that's right. How about this one? You have faith that everything will work out for the best. No. All right, here is my favorite. I know you're going to like this one. Here it comes. The reason birds can fly and we can't is simply because they have perfect faith. Are you serious? <laughs> well, I hope you didn't come in here believing faith is any of those. Let me tell you what the scripture says faith is. It says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. That's what faith is. One of the great uh, theologians of the first century said, to one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To one who does not have faith, no explanation is possible. Why is that? Well, that's what we're going to look at today. The past two weeks, we've talked about an undiluted understanding of Jesus, that name and who he is, about the undiluted aspect of grace and how grace was given to us so that we would respond to Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished. And today, we're going to add to that this whole concept of faith. What is faith? How do you get faith? D.L. Moody the founder of the Moody Institute in Chicago, said this. He said, I prayed for faith. And I thought that someday faith would just come down and strike me like a lightning. And one day I read in the 10th chapter of Romans, now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. I now opened my Bible and began to study, and faith has been growing ever since. What is faith? Faith has to have an object. I, I really get upset with people who say, I have faith, and I say, in what? Well, no, I just have faith. Well, you can't just have faith. Faith has to have an object. Some people say, well, I have faith in my, my spouse. I have faith in my children, faith in my business, faith in others. Faith in myself. No, that's not what we're talking about. You see, faith is a gift from God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, this is what the scripture says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's a gift. Faith is a gift. But I believe, and I think Scripture teaches, that this gift of faith that comes to us is a foundation upon which we build a consistently greater faith. So as time goes on, 
If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have received by grace Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you were given the faith to believe that. Now you want to build on that faith layer upon layer so that eventually you have so many faith stories in your life about how God is taking care of you, about how Jesus has delivered you and he has blessed you. He has heard your cry. You have those so that fear goes away. Concerns about all the things going on in the world, they're still there, but you're not affected by them because you have great faith. Faith is something that starts in the very beginning. I had been a Christian for one year and a half, 18 months, when the elders told me I should go to seminary. My first response was, that's great. What's seminary? I had no idea. 18 months. Do you think that I had read all of the books of the Bible by then and had understanding of them? No, not even close. I was still trying to figure out what it meant that all of my sins had been paid for. I was thrilled at that, but I just didn't have the complete understanding of what it means to be walking with God. And so now it was time for me to go off to seminary. And God wanted to build faith upon faith with me. When we got there, and we were both working and doing everything we could to make ends meet. Linda and I one morning got up and we looked at our budget and we saw that, wow, by the end of the month, we got to make up a shortfall of about $315. So I needed to go out and find more wallpaper to hang and she needed to help do other things. Somehow we had to make this work. So we prayed 7.30 in the morning, Lord, show us what we are to do. We have faith, God, just this much. It's all it takes to move a mountain. We have faith. So help us. I went to my first two classes, and after that second class, there was always chapel and about a 10, 15-minute break between the class and the chapel starting. So I went to the administration building, and there were our personal mailboxes, and I opened my box, and I pulled out an envelope, and it had no writing on it at all. I wasn't sure what it was, but when I opened it up, there was a check in there from an anonymous donor for $315. Now, remember my background in undercover work. My first thought was, they have bugged our apartment. <laughs> they know our every move. <laughs> no, it was God's faithfulness. And so I, I couldn't call Linda, couldn't reach her this long day before cell phones and I put the check in my pocket and I ran over to the chapel because I was running a couple minutes late. I walk in. And there are about 200 guys in there, and they're singing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And I just started crying, just standing there crying, because I had just experienced that faithfulness of God. Now, obviously, you can't take that event away from me. That's mine. And I have just built that piece of faith and the faithfulness of God on top of all the others I had had in my short 18 months as a believer. And I was starting to build them up. God wants you to exercise your faith. An unexercised faith, you know what it ends up doing? It atrophies. It's useless. And then that dire time comes and you cry out and you're wondering, why am I not hearing the answer? Well, you just can't lift 500 pounds the first time you start lifting. 
You're not going to get the result you're looking for if you're not practicing your faith, if you're not exercising that faith by taking faith events in your life and holding on to them and giving the glory to God. So I want to tell you four things that God does with faith for you. He, he provides the faith. He protects the faith. He proves the faith. And he promises you something because of the faith. Those are the four things we'll look at this morning. And inside of those, there are some nuggets that I'm going to tell you about when we get there that I want you to hold on to. Let's start with provided faith. That's that Ephesians 2.8 passage. And I love the way that God chooses words to put into Scripture. It's not just random writing that one day Paul sat down and said, ah, I think I'll write this. I think Paul was in prayer and Paul was hearing from the Holy Spirit. And Paul was writing, not dictation, but from his own heart. And he used these words. He says, for by grace you have been saved. One word in Greek, have been saved. Why is that important? Because it is an action that happened in the past and the effect of that action continues without stopping. So when Christ died on the cross, the effect of his saving work continues even today. It hasn't changed. It's the same today as it was over 2,000 years ago. Now, it is the grace of God that he tells us about the cross. We don't deserve to hear that. But it is by grace that he says, this Christ alone comes to you by grace alone, and now I'm going to give you faith alone, but not a faith that is alone. I'm going to give you faith to believe what I just said. Faith is the channel through which salvation flows. I did not have faith. I heard the gospel preached. I understood at that moment simply because the Spirit of God came upon me and said, you're the one who deserves the punishment of God to be separated from him eternally if you don't do something about this. I heard that in my own heart. And I said, all right, God, you know, even if it's just to get out of that, take me. That was the first aspect of exercising faith. I was there when it happened. I know it was real. And so I hold on to that faith, and and I'm going to build upon that, knowing that faith is the channel of my salvation. I have been saved. I am now being saved, and I shall be saved because the effect continues. But the more I can build... Faith events in my life, the greater my faith will become. So here's one of the things I want you to learn today, one of the nuggets. Grace is the source. Faith is the means. Salvation is the result. Grace is the source. Salvation or faith is the means. Salvation is the result. And that's why Paul writes, for by grace you have been saved through faith. I had a friend who started a church named it Grace Chapel. A few years later, I started a church named Faith. I called him one day and I said, the scripture says you are to send all of your people to my church. He said, why? I said, because he says you are saved 
by grace, through faith. So they all need to come to Faith Church. He didn't send a single one of them. But it is true that this, this faith we have is a gift. Do you understand that? You don't create your own faith to believe. You don't reason your way to God. Our minds are depraved. We're incapable of knowing God without God's help. It's just not possible. Martin Luther said it like this. He said, God creates in the human heart the same way he created the world. What do you mean by that? He said, he found nothing and created something. See, he looked at my heart. He didn't find anything there. Nothing to glorify him. It was a heart filled with sin and disobedience. But he looked at that and he said, okay, I'm going to give that heart faith. And so his Holy Spirit touched me and my eyes were open and I began to realize, wow, this, this is real. There is a God. There is a Jesus. I didn't at that time understand the work of the Holy Spirit. But I know that if you have faith, it's because God has given it to you. And now it's your responsibility to do something with it. Years ago, there was a missionary named John Patton. He worked as a Bible translator in the South Sea Islands. And I have so much admiration for Bible translators. I don't know how they do it. I have traveled in many countries and heard dozens of different languages. And I, I just don't, I'm not a linguist. I don't know how you get that. I speak two languages, English and Southern English. <clears throat> But I, this, this guy, he goes in there, he's going to write a Bible for them, doesn't even know their language. But he lives there for years and he begins to learn what their language is saying. But he cannot find a word for faith. Isn't that interesting? No word for faith. What do you do with it? One day he said, I was sitting in my office and a young man had run an errand and he came back and he was perspiring and he was breathing heavily and I could tell he had really run hard and fast and he flopped down in the chair and he said, it's so good to rest my whole weight on this chair. He said, I now have a definition for faith. It's when you rest your whole weight on God and that's what he put into their Bible and Lots of people have come to Christ over the, the centuries since he was there. And that is it, isn't it? It's, it's when you and I rest in him. It's not a rest of inactivity. It's a rest of peace. It's a rest knowing that by faith I have been saved, not by myself, but what God has done for me. So now I can build upon this, and I know this, that God will protect me. This is the second thing. He's provided it, now he will protect it. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Watch this who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Shielded by God's power. I love that concept because Paul later says, 
in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, you need to put on your spiritual armor. And what is one of those pieces of the armor? It's the shield of faith. Now, here's my mindset of that, is that every time God gives me more faith, he takes me through a situation or delivers me from a situation, he's building my faith. So I take that event and I paste it on my shield. And I know that, okay, I've got this and this and this and this and this. And after 46 years, my shield is pretty heavy with faith events. And yours will be too. If you really think back to all the times God has acted on your behalf, sometimes without you even asking, and you can just stick those on your shield of faith, knowing that this shield is the power of the Holy Spirit in you, and then he will protect you. Adrian Rogers was a, a preacher in the 20th century, great Baptist preacher, and he said, a faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. Faith that hasn't been tested can't be trusted. He gives you great faith through which you are shielded. I want to go back to seminary for a minute with you. Linda and I had not been there long when we ran out of money. We were on food stamps. Going to seminary on food stamps. Seems like an oxymoron there. But here we were doing our best, trying to make it, and we came to a conclusion that we had misunderstood God's calling, that I really was not supposed to be going into the ministry to preach. So we went to one of my professors, and I said, Dr. Fowler, I am not called. I misunderstood God. Thank you for everything you've done here. We're going back to Miami. I'll go back into investigative work, and I'll serve the Lord. His phone rang. He answered the phone, talked for a couple of moments, and hung up. He said, you're called. I said, what? He said, they need someone to preach in Liberty, Mississippi this weekend. He said, so you're preaching. I told him you would. I had never preached before. I wrote a sermon, and I wrote at the top of it number 100, just in case anybody saw it, they'd think I had preached 100 times. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> the big thing is, the privilege and opportunity to do that, but they paid me. So we got off food stamps because as unusual as it was, God's grace and mercy was such that I preached every Sunday for three years. And you weren't supposed to start preaching until your third year. But God had a different plan. And God bless all those people that put up with me for those years. God bless you for still doing it. <laughs> But see, we have to be tested in order for the shield to get bigger. Because even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. He can't deny himself. He has proven my faith to be genuine. So he's provided it, he's protected it, but now he's going to prove it. 1 Peter 1.7 These have come, meaning the trials, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. There is a purpose to the trials that build our faith. Charles Stanley has been in ministry for probably 60 years in Atlanta, Georgia, and 
He has a son named Andy Stanley. Perhaps some of you may know who he is. He's online, great preacher, following the tradition. Here's what he said about those trials. Charles Stanley said, Oftentimes, God demonstrates his faithfulness in adversity by providing for us what we need to survive. He does not change our painful circumstances. He sustains us through them. So don't expect your faith to be so great that every time you have a problem, God's going to deliver you out of it. God will deliver you through it, but not necessarily out of it. That's the sign of a proven faith. Somebody who holds on to the hem of the garment of Jesus, no matter what the situation may be, believing that by faith, God will take care of you. But he's going to prove your faith over and over and over. We see that in that passage I quoted from Hebrews 11.1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. This is the honor roll of faith chapter. If you want to see different people throughout the history of Scripture who exercised faith, that's the place you go. One of those people is Abraham. Abraham is the, the father of all. But that day that he stood there with God and he said to God, God, I just don't know how this is going to happen. I don't have any children. I'm, I'm really old. And you're telling me to look at the heavens and I'll see all the stars up there and I'm going to have that many kids. I don't understand this. God promises him, I will make you a father of many nations. Now follow this. Abraham believed him. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Now you have to be careful with this. Okay, It's not that he did something that gained righteousness for himself. You and I are not righteous. We are born sinful. We remain that way until God's grace comes, gives us faith to believe in what Jesus did and who he is. But in this case, Abraham exercised faith in God. He believed it. And God revealed to him, you believe it because I have credited you with righteousness. Every one of you in here who are followers of Christ, you are credited with righteousness, not because of your faith, but because of God's faithfulness. And that's a very important distinction because Jesus is the object of your faith. Paul writes in Romans 1.17, that the just, those who've been justified, shall live by faith. Do you live by faith? Do you trust God that whatever the circumstances you find yourself in, that God's there with you? I can't predict the things that are going to happen, but I know that my God is in control. And so I trust him and I have faith that he knows so much better than I do. It's not even worth mentioning because of his faithfulness. Faithfulness means really trusting somebody as much as you possibly can. There were two different movies made about a man by the name of Philip Petit. Not because he was small, but he was French, and he was a high-wire walker. He's the one who, in 1974, in an unsanctioned event, walked between the Twin Towers at 1,300 feet elevation. 
He had no nets, nothing to hold him or protect him. He did it so well, he said it was easy, so he walked it six times in 45 minutes. He even knelt down and laid on the wire at one point. Now, I think that's stupidity, not faith, but, but he did it. And then years later, 1987, he's invited to come out to Portland, Oregon. And out there, there's the Portland Center for the Performing Arts that's going to be opened. And there's another building next to it, and they wanted him to come and walk on a wire between the two. And he said, you know, it's pretty simple. We need to make it a challenge of some sort. He said, I tell you what, find somebody who will ride on my back while I go across. <laughs> Any of you volunteer to do that? You have that much faith? <clears throat> Only if Jesus is on that wire am I going to do it. But Ann Seward weighing 90 pounds, decided that it was okay that she would do this. Here's a picture of them walking across. Notice that he's blindfolded. <laughs> That's amazing. Here's what Anne said. This is a quote from her. Now, I know nothing about her spiritual life. I don't claim to, to say that she was a Christian or not a Christian. I have no idea. I'm using this simply for the matter of illustration. Anne said this, well, here it is. I'm putting my life in someone else's hands and trusting the whole crowd not to do anything to distract him. That's faith. And it's faith in a person. And that person delivered and there was no problem and they made it across. But I want to tell you that the kind of faith that you and I are supposed to have is the same we are supposed to put ourselves on Christ and be in Christ and trust him to walk us wherever it is we need to go. No one can distract you. They'll try. They'll try to stop your progress of growing in faith because they don't understand faith or they have such little faith that big things that God does escape their world. Learn this. Faith is not static. It has three steps. The first step of faith is to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Christ came, lived a sinless life as a human being, never sinned, and yet paid the full price that the Father required of him. Hear that. That's the first step. Just hear it. Listen to it. The second step is now believe that it's true because there's more evidence of the truth of that event than any other thing in history, that he has risen from the dead. And then... Take that information that you listen to and you now believe is true and let it drop into your heart so that you can act on it. That's when faith becomes active. It's when I know, Paul says, I am convinced, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor principalities or powers, things above the earth, on the earth, under the earth, nothing can separate me from the love of God. That's great faith to make that kind of a statement. So the challenge is, can you make that kind of a statement? 
Well, God wants you to. That's why he's proven your faith, he's protected your faith, and he's provided it. But I love the fourth thing that God does. 1 Peter 1.9, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's the end. The end is that when it's all said and done, I am saved, not because of my faith. My faith was an instrument used by God to pour salvation through me and cause me to become what he wants me to be. Why? Because further in Hebrews it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. You have to have faith if you're going to please God. But just think, the bigger your shield of faith, the more pleasing you are to him. So if we're doing any kind of work at all, it's a work of faith. It's a work believing that God will do this through me or with me or to me or in me or for me. That's what God wants us to do. The last thing to learn is this. It's not your endurance that saves you. Your endurance is the effect, not the cause of salvation. Salvation enables you to endure. So if you have accepted Christ, he will give you the power to endure. And each time you endure a particular thing, you add that to your faith shield, and then you're able to move on because you're going to greater and greater heights of faith with him. Every day, I put on my shield of faith. I pick up my sword of the Spirit. I put on my helmet of salvation. I put my boots on that carry the gospel everywhere I go. I put on the belt of truth. I put all of this armor on symbolically knowing that what I'm doing is clothing myself in the Holy Spirit. And then I'm walking in him, hand in hand with the Spirit, so that I can understand how to live by faith. That's God's call to you. I knew one person who lived like that. The blessing is I'm named after him. His name was Wallace Sitton. I'm named after him. He was my uncle, my mother's sister's husband. They had no children. So the three of us, my brother and sister and I, basically became uh, their surrogate kids. He was a great Christian. He took care of all of his family members. He took care of the church where he was a treasurer. He traveled in different places in the United States and was always sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. About three days before he passed away at 86 years old, I went into his room to see him, and he was homebound, and we called him Big Daddy. And I went in, and he was a big man. I knelt down beside his bed. His eyes were open. He was awake, and I said, how you doing, Big Daddy? He said, well, I've run the race, and I'm, I'm headed home. And he said, so... You, I had only been a Christian a few years when this came to pass, but he said, you, you keep the faith. You run the race. You fight the fight, and I'll see you soon. My first thought was, I hope it's not too soon. <laughs> but then it kind of sank into me. I know what he's saying. So I said, yes, I will see you soon. I can't wait. I mean, there's so many people there 
that I know are there because they lived by faith that was a gift to them. And I'm going to get to see all of them. But I can't wait to see Big Daddy and say, well, I tried. (laughs) I did the best I could. I fought the fight. I kept the faith. And now I'm here. And I'm with you and with everyone else. You see, that's what God wants for us. We are his family. He loves us so much. So I want you to make a confession today. If you're online, you can watch the screen. You're going to see it in Alma. Uh, You're going to see it on your screens, and we're going to see it here. I'm going to ask you to stand so that we can read this together. It's a simple statement. Why don't you stand with me right now? And let's read this together. Ready? I have faith in Jesus Christ. He is who he claimed to be. He did what he was sent to do. He saved me by God's grace alone. He will be coming for me again. I believe. I have undiluted faith. I hope that's you. If it's not, then pray to receive Christ into your life and let us know so we can start you on that journey of faith. Let me pray with you. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gifts you have given us, for the grace you have shown, for the son that you sent, for the spirit who lives now with us and in us, and mostly for the faith that we have. Lord, it is faith alone, but not a faith that is alone, for we have you to build that faith. Build every shield in this room, Lord, and cause them to be stronger and stronger as they serve you and love you. To that end, we pray in Jesus' matchless name, amen.